All right, well, as you take a seat, go to Mark chapter 7, and uh, we're going to read a, a, focus on a bit uh, longer passage of Scripture than, than what we would normally do, um, but, but one that's really going to show us, as, as Sarah just prayed this morning, what, what real worship is, what, what true worship is, and how the religious leaders in Jesus's day missed that, and, and how maybe we're not immune to that either. So we're going to be in Luke, or excuse me, Mark chapter seven, verses one through uh, twenty-three. If you're using one of the one of the uh, pew Bibles that's there in front of you, that's on page nine seventy-five. You can find Mark chapter seven, and. Uh, this morning, as I said, we're, the, the, the title of the message is simply this, Adventures in Missing the Point. Uh, now, I, I really toyed with the idea of naming the whole series throughout the Gospel of Mark uh, as Adventures in Missing the Point, because as we've seen uh, several times, Jesus has been trying to show his disciples something and they miss it. Or he was trying to teach the crowds something, and they misunderstood what he was trying to teach them. Instead, I went with the uh, super creative uh, title of the gospel according to Mark. But um, we, this morning, we're really going to zero in on the religious leaders who, who saw themselves as pious, holy followers of God, and yet... They had completely missed it. They, they were trusting in the wrong things. Their, their identity was not in who they were in God, but in what they were doing, how, how, well, they were keeping the, uh, how well they were keeping the law. And so this morning we're, we're, we're going to focus in on Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. It's a little bit longer passage, but I want to read it in its entirety because it'll really, it'll really set up for us where we're headed this morning. So if you will, stand with me as we read Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. This is what the word of the Lord says. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban, that is an offering devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And you do many other similar things. 
Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, are are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. He said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Let's pray. Father, we, we have a, a heavy text before us this morning, one that in, in many ways pushes against maybe some things that we've believed, certainly pushed against things that the religious leaders in, in Jesus' day believed. And so I pray this morning we would see the importance of being devoted, yes, to Scripture but not to our opinions. Would you help us to differentiate between the two when it comes to matters of worship? Speak this morning. Your people are listening. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Now, now, here's what we see, all right? So if, you're, if you are taking notes, here, here's our big idea for the morning. It is entirely possible to be religious and yet miss a real relationship with Christ. It is entirely possible to be religious and yet miss a real relationship with Christ. And this is exactly what we see the religious leaders doing. They were very religious. In fact, we would even say they were, they were legalistic in the way they, they followed their religion. They, they followed it as closely as they knew how. And yet, in their desire to make themselves as holy as possible, they were completely missing the point. And so the first real danger that we see here, the, the first the first issue that arises is we see the danger of worthless worship. See, verse 1, we're told that the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. Now keep in mind, Jesus was traveling all over the place. We've seen him cross the Sea of Galilee a couple of times and, and go minister across the sea and then come back and, and, and minister in various towns throughout the, this region of of Judea. And so what's happening is the, the religious leaders are following him, not because, they're, not because they want to listen to what he has to say, but because they're trying to trap him in saying something that will allow them to either arrest him or hopefully in their minds kill him because he's making their lives a little difficult. 
And we see something about the way that they're observing Jesus and his disciples in verse 2. It says they observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. And then we're given this aside, this insight into the Pharisees' daily lives. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs that they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. Now, over the past six months or so, we've heard a lot about the importance of washing our hands, right? We know it's good hygiene. And, and so, some of us who were not pre- previously maybe as diligent as we should have been in washing hands have probably made that a practice, right? To, to wash hands and use hand sanitizer and all this because it's good hygiene. For the Pharisees, they were not concerned with hygiene, their concern was that we want to, want to make sure that we stay healthy. Their concern was we want to make sure that we're clean, that we don't become unclean, which would have prevented them from being able to gather in worship in the synagogue. And not only their hands, but Mark gives us insight here into their other cleaning rituals of not just washing, but ceremonial washing. Cups, pitchers, kettles, dining couches. So this wasn't like, hey, they're just going to wash them real quick to make, their, make sure they're clean. This would have been an elaborate custom, an, an elaborate, almost you call it a ceremony of going through and making sure everything was washed just right. So the Pharisees, verse 5, so the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? Now notice what they didn't say. If they had said, Jesus, we notice that your, your disciples aren't doing what the Old Testament scriptures command. In that case, we would have a completely separate conversation happening here, I think. But notice their question is not, Jesus, why do your disciples not obey Scripture? Why do your disciples not obey the tradition of the elders? And Jesus answered them in verse 6, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. So here he goes back to Isaiah 29, 13. And he, he quotes the Old Testament. So in, in refuting their tradition, when they ask, why don't, why don't your disciples keep the tradition? Jesus uses scripture. And he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. Look at this last bit. Teaching as doctrines, human commands. So what he said, the, the, the the, the Pharisees and the other religious leaders did is they, they elevated their own teachings to the level of Scripture. Have you ever seen that happen? There's a, there's a great line in the movie 42, which was released 2012, 2013, a baseball movie about the life of Jackie Robinson. If you haven't seen it, out, if you like baseball at all, it's an outstanding baseball flick. Is kind of chronicles Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey and the Brooklyn Dodgers breaking the color barrier in, in baseball. 
One of the things, one of the statements that's made in the beginning of the movie, when Branch Rickey, the owner of the Dodgers, says, I'm going I'm to bring a black man to play on the Dodgers. The guys he's talking to, kind of their eyes get big and their jaws drop. And the response is, is basically, Mr. Ricky, you can't do that. Branch Ricky, who is a dive-in-the-wool Methodist, said, what rule is it breaking? The response he gets back is, well, no, there's, there's no rule, but there's a code said, you break a rule, a lot of people will applaud you for it. They said, but if you break a code, that's a completely different ballgame. The Pharisees had done is taken their own teachings and essentially made them equal with Scripture, and, and even maybe slightly elevated them above Scripture, because in the, in the event that you did something that violated Scripture, you were breaking a rule, but if you went against the tradition of the elders, you were breaking a code. Teaching as doctrines, human commands. And Jesus goes on and says, abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. And then look at what he says in verse 9. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. So, so the Pharisees would have compared themselves to others, and, and we see that happening between them and the disciples of, you know, why, Jesus, why don't your disciples wash the way that we wash? And we see them sitting there eating the, their food with, with unclean hands. I can't believe you would allow them to do that. We would never allow such filth to enter our body and therefore make us unclean. But more than that, they, they've exposed something about the condition of their hearts. That they were ultimately not concerned with what God had said. They were concerned with propping themselves up. They were concerned with their own self-righteousness. Folks, there is a danger when we worship the wrong things. But he goes on and he's going to talk about the deceit of worthless wisdom. We'll pick up back in verse 9 again. He said to them, you have set up, <laughs> sorry, he said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban, that is an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Now, now listen, tradition is not always bad, okay? So, so don't, don't 
take what I'm about to say and, and say, well, he's just against all kinds of traditions. No, not at all. We, we meet together in, in church buildings on Sunday morning because of tradition. You, you can't really find a, a biblical command to gather together. I think we see the, the biblical example after, uh, after the new, uh, after Jesus rises from the dead on, uh, on Easter Sunday. We, we see that that becomes the pattern. But there's no command that you must gather together on Sunday mornings. We, we, we do certain things because of tradition. The, the danger happens when tradition overrules Scripture. And so for the Pharisees, when, when Scripture itself went against their tradition, tradition won. What we see is, is first of all, their, their misuse of Scripture. So if you, if you pick up in verses 9 through 13, this is what we, we see, all right? We have this, this progression, even going back to verse 7. Verse 7, we're told they teach the commands of men. It's one of the accusations Jesus levels against them. They worship me in vain, teaching his doctrines, human commands. So they teach the commands of men. Their next step is that they leave the commands of God. In verse 8, abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. In verse 9, they reject the commands of God. Or as Jesus said here, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command. And then in verse 13, we're told that they actually make void the commands of God. Or as Jesus said, you nullify the commands of God. Teaching commands of men, leave the commands of God, reject the commands of God, and finally make void And then in verses 11 through 13, we, we actually see them manipulating Scripture. And so Jesus gives this illustration. He gives this example of the way they actually nullify a command. He reminds them of the Scripture in verse 10. Honor your father and your mother. Whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. That's the word of the Lord. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. So what was happening in, in first century culture, oral agreements would have been a huge deal, okay? And so... Maybe someone gets in a fight with his, or in an argument with his parents and in a fit of rage says, you know what, the, the money that I had set aside to where I could take care of you when you get old is Corbin. That is, it's devoted to God. That means when I'm gone, that, all that money is going to be given to the temple and I no longer have anything to provide for you. And Jesus said the Pharisees we're letting that happen. 
Somebody would come in and say, you know that money I have set aside to take care of my parents? Yes, we know. Well, now it's Corbin. I've, I've given it to God. And they were allowing that to stand, invalidating the command of God to honor your parents and take care of them. We see the deceit that happens when people begin to believe their own way, believe their own teachings rather than the teachings of Scripture. But it doesn't stop there. This, we, we, we saw there was a danger of worth, worthless worship. We saw there's a deceit of worthless wisdom. And now we're going to see there's a drift toward worthless ways. Pick up with me in verse 14. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the, uh, into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. So again, we, we see the way that, that they had twisted things where they actually thought that what they ate could separate them from God, not what they did. Jesus says, no, that's not the way this works at all. He says, what, what, what you eat, what you ingest, passes through you and it's eliminated. It's gone. But in fact, what comes out of you is the things that reveal what's in your heart. Thus he declared all foods clean, which is why we can eat bacon without feeling bad. <laughs> and all God's people said amen, right? <laughs> for from within, look at this, verse 21, for from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. And, and essentially what Jesus is saying here is, listen to, to the Pharisees, as you've been so focused on your own traditions, you've been so focused on, on doing the, um, outward actions in such a way that shows that you're holy, you've missed these things that actually separate you from God. As we've talked before, none of us is immune to this. Hebrews 2.1 reminds us as believers to, to keep a close watch on your life so that you don't drift away from what you've learned. We've, we've said before we don't drift toward holiness. We drift away from holiness. Because even as followers of Christ, we still have a fallen flesh that wars against the things of God. So we must be diligent to follow after Christ. Going back to our big ideas we wrap up this morning, 
it is entirely possible to be religious and yet miss a real relationship with Christ. It's entirely possible to have grown up in church, attended vacation Bible school, been involved in a youth ministry, come to church on every Sunday, and yet miss a real relationship with Christ. The religious leaders thought they were made holy because of what they did. They didn't realize that they were sinners separated from God. In Christ Jesus, we have, we see him coming to earth as a baby, and we get to celebrate that in just a few months as we move toward Christmas. To live a perfect, sinless life that, that you couldn't live, that I couldn't live, and to die the death that you and I deserved on the cross, paying the penalty for sin once and for all, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might be made right with God. And so if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, let me, let me encourage you with this this morning. Trying to be right by keeping a list of rules and regulations and religion is exhausting. Let me tell you about something far better. In Romans 8, Paul's writing to a people who, who thought the same thing, who thought they were made holy because of what they did, and, and this is what Paul writes. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to their Spirit, to the Spirit, have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Instead, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the, Son of, the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of God, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit with you, through His Spirit who lives in you. Can, did, did you see what happened there? Paul was talking about living according to the flesh, living according to a list of rules and regulations versus living according to the, the Spirit. He talks about the freedom that we have when we live according to the Spirit. For what the law could not do, 
God did. So my question to you this morning is simply this. Have you trusted in Christ Jesus? Have you trusted in His righteousness? Or are you trusting in your own strength? And your ability to keep a list of rules and regulations? If you're here this morning, you'd say, you know, Kyle, I'm not sure I've ever trusted in Christ. I want to share with you how you can do that this morning. Just a simple prayer. These aren't, as I say every week, these are not magic words. They are simply uh, some words to help you frame what, what praying to God would look like and asking Jesus to be your Savior. You can pray this right now. Lord Jesus, my life is broken. I realize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I will follow him. Maybe you're here today and you just prayed that prayer for the first time. And if so, I would love to visit with you. You can find me right here at the, big, at the front of the services. We stand to sing in a few moments, or you can catch me at the back and say, Kyle, I, I prayed that prayer, and I, I, I want to know, know what it means to follow Jesus. If you're watching us online, you can text 575-446-3663. I'd love to get back in touch with you this week to let you know how you can follow Christ as well. Folks, here's the good news. Just as we saw in Romans 8, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We have been set free from having to follow a strict set of rules and regulations. We've been set free not to live in sin, not to just do whatever we want. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because God's forgiven us, but we've been set free from the power of sin and death, which means we've been set free to follow Christ Jesus without fear that he will cast us aside. That's good news. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the message and the passage of Scripture that you put before us today. I pray we would examine our hearts to see if we're trying to live in our own flesh and live according to man-made rules or if we're following the, the Scriptures living according to what you have said. I pray we as individuals, we as a church body, would be people that are committed to following after Christ Jesus, obeying the word that you've given to us. Help us to live lives that are the, the reality that Romans 8.1 spoke about. There is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Living like we've been set free from the law of sin and death. And now we live by the Spirit.
Show us what that looks like. Help us each and every day as we walk with you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.